0: Testing, one, two, three, four,
1: testing, that's yeah, a-
2: And Thank you. Glory. Okay. I'll whisper. Welcome to church. Even though none of you know us, we are so glad to be here with you tonight. Go ahead and stand as we begin our service tonight. We're from Prospect Baptist is here to worship with y'all tonight. And so we want to start with this old hymn. Let's sing together. Are you washed in the blood? We want to hear you up here now. So let's sing. Alright, these are two hands that you can put together and clap as we worship the Lord tonight. And let's sing together. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the lamb? Are you washed in the blood? In the soul cleansing blood of the lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood? Ladies, let me hear you sing. Are you walking daily by the savior's side? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you rest each moment in the crucified? Are you washed in the blood of the... Everybody sing! Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? All right, gentlemen, we want to hear you lift your voice in praise tonight. You sing this verse together. And gentlemen. Ladies, let's join them. Lay aside the garments that are stained with sin and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. There's a fountain flowing for the soul unclean. Oh, be washed in the blood of the Lamb. We sing, are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood? as pastor comes.
3: Thank you. You can be seated for just a moment. It's so good to see you tonight. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, You know, on a Monday night, there's so many things you could be doing tonight, so many other places you could be, but I'm going to tell you this. Boy, you got me going there, brother. Thank you. Uh, you You won't find a better place to be. Than Where you are right now. So thank you so much for being here tonight. I was teasing with some of them as we came in. We said, you know, we got enough preachers here tonight. We can do preaching in the round. We got <laughs> we, we got uh, brother Mark. We got Pastor Stoney and we got uh, brother Robert Leto. And then we got our own Brandon. And, you know, and I can throw in there every once in a while if you want me to. But I mean, I think we could do that tonight. Uh, but we won't do that to you. OK, we know you got to work tomorrow. And uh, we we could preach you into next uh, next Sunday, but we we think you might want to go to work tomorrow. Thank you again for being here. I uh, want to say a special thank you to Monica and uh, Pastor Stoney and all of these good folks from Prospect Baptist Church for coming and leading us in uh, worship tonight. It is it's good to have you guys here, and uh, we uh, we celebrate with them what God's doing there at Prospect and. Uh, all the good things that God is doing, and, and He's moving in a mighty way there, and uh, we celebrate with them. I'm going to go ahead uh, before I pray and introduce our speaker tonight. And Brother Mark, whenever um, they finish with the music, uh, I'm going to just uh, ask you just to come and share with us what God's laid upon your heart. Uh, our our guest preacher tonight uh, is no stranger to First Baptist Church of Locust. It's Doctor Mark Harris and uh, he is currently the senior pastor at Trinity Baptist Church in Mooresville, North Carolina. Uh, and we, uh, we appreciate him making that drive here. And we even appreciate him bringing Robert back into Stanley County for a little while too. Robert, I told him, I said, we might keep you and not let you go back. He said, no, that wasn't about to happen. And I ain't fighting him in the parking lot for you, brother. I love you, but I ain't going to fight him in the parking lot for you. Uh, but Brother Mark is um, a senior pastor there at Trinity Baptist Church, and he's also uh, a very important part of the Family Research Council. Uh, you may hear that a lot, especially uh, in, uh, in the Baptist press and things of that nature, the work that's being done there. Uh, he is the vice president of, of Association of Churches and Ministries with the uh, Family Research Council, busy man in fact, whenever I contacted him about being here, he said, well, let me check my schedule because I'm supposed to be in Washington for a while, and, and then it just so happens he was able to fly back into town uh, early enough where he could be with us, and we're, we're thankful to have him here. So, uh, Brother Mark, uh, I'm just going to invite you to come and preach uh, at the conclusion of our song tonight and just uh, preach as God lays on your heart. Brother Stoney, good to have you here, man. And I appreciate uh, this good choir you've got there, too. Let's pray together. You are holy, gracious, kind, and good. You are just, righteous. You are the redeemer of mankind. You are the light of the world. The lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. You are the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. You are the lion of Judah, but the lamb of God. You are our savior, our redeemer and friend. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege and honor of being able to gather on this Monday evening. With our brothers and sisters in Christ, not just from this church family, but from other church families. Lord, to be able tonight just to pause at the beginning of a hectic and busy week to to worship. We thank you for Brother Mark. We thank you for his testimony, for the life that he lives before each and every one of us. We thank you, Lord, for how you are using him and have used him to proclaim the gospel. And, Lord, we thank you for how you've given him a heart to stand with the brothers and sisters of Christ who are facing challenges all over this nation. Lord, tonight we come to you asking your anointing upon him. We pray that, that Lord, you just light the fire within him That as he proclaims your word, that, Lord, that fire will spread throughout this congregation. That the Holy Spirit will do his perfect work. That, Lord, truly, when we leave this place tonight, we will have done so much more than just attended another service. That we will have have done so much more than just heard another sermon or sang another song but that when we leave this place tonight, that, Lord, we will be renewed and revived in our spirit because the Holy Spirit of God has done a work in us that only you can do. Bring us, Lord, to that place of willingness to repent and return to that relationship that's growing and loving and vibrant with you And, Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do tonight. Thank you for this wonderful choir and this wonderful choir leader, Lord, for those who have come to worship with us in song. We pray your blessing and your anointing upon them. Lord, may everything that we do tonight lift up and exalt and magnify and glorify the name of Jesus, the name above every name the name at which every tongue shall confess, every knee shall bow. Lord, there is no other name given under heaven whereby we can be saved and, Lord, whereby we can be revived than the name of Jesus. And it's in that name we pray. Amen. (laughs)
2: glory and the lifter of our head. Stand with us as we continue in our service tonight. He is a great and awesome and wonderful God. And we thank him for that. Can we sing? Thank you. You may be seated as Pastor Mark comes.
0: Wow. Amen. What a great time of worship and praise. Thank you so much, Prospect, Baptist Church, uh, choir, ensemble, whatever you are. Uh, you, you got it going on. And uh, we praise the Lord for that. And I'll tell you I was I was ready to get up here and preach after uh, thou old Lord and I had to hold myself back for the last little while to uh to get ready. But uh brother Tommy, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here at uh at this great church and what a pleasure it is just to uh to be back here. And I've had some great times, uh remember just worshiping the Lord here as this church family and, and sharing in this special time together. And uh, very grateful for all that God is doing. And uh, grateful for my good friend Stoney and uh, thankful that you're here tonight, brother. Thank you for your supporting this meeting. And, uh, and again, to the to the great team from uh, Prospect that's been here tonight. And uh, are you glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Yes. Now, I'm going to give you another chance to say it like you mean it. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Amen. We are. We are thrilled to be here. Well, listen, let's jump right in tonight, if you will. Turn your Bible, if you will, to the book of James. The book of James chapter 1 is where the Lord has has brought me this evening uh, in this message. I've been doing a study in the book of James and really diving into this word. Uh, and, and Lord has just been speaking to my heart in, in so many special ways. And, and, you know, one of the things I love about the book of James is it is one of the most practical books on Christian living that you will ever discover. I mean, he just puts it right down where the rubber hits the road and uh, tells us where, what God wants us to do. And, and truly it's been summarized by some as being that it is a faith where What you believe determines how you behave. And if there's ever been a day where we need to see believers, followers of Jesus Christ, not only stating what they believe, but it being demonstrated in how they behave, that day is today. And uh, there's a desperate need throughout uh, Christendom in churches all across America, in fact, to see that expressed. So I'm going to invite you to stand and honor the reading of the Word of God. And, and we're going to read right here in chapter 1. Really in verse 2 is where I want us to pick up. And we're going to read down through verse 4. And then we're going to drop down and pick up in verse 12 and 13. It says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith... "...produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him." Now, drop down to verse 12. "...blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life." which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt any one. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I just pray in these next few minutes, as we just gather here around your word, that you would speak to each heart in this place. I pray, God, that you would meet us at our very point of need, Lord, you know the circumstances and situations that's being faced tonight by some individuals right here in your house. And Father, I believe that you have just given us a word right here in James that would speak to the heart of every man and every woman who's ever experienced, is experiencing, or will experience a trial in their life. God, I just ask you tonight just to help us be real. Help us to get real in these next few minutes, just to take off any masks that we might be wearing to church, that we might just cast it aside, and Lord, we might just come openly before you who know us inside and out. And Father, surrender ourselves on the altar and just ask you to take us right here where we are and to mold us and shape us as only you, our Father, can fashion us. So, Father, I just pray personally that you'd let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, Lord, let them be pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. You know, I wonder if when you first came to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, whether that was in the last year, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 50 years ago, and, and maybe longer than that. But did you ever fall into the idea in those early days of accepting Christ that somehow, some way, that all of your problems were going to be over? Did you ever come to that place? I remember as a, as a youth minister, I was youth minister for several years before I became a pastor at center grove baptist church in clemens was my first pastorate but for a couple of years i served in youth ministry at edgewood baptist church in winston-salem with my pastor richard hicks and i remember leading youth to christ and i remember one particular young man he was sitting on a basketball and i we were there and out having played basketball together and sharing christ with him and and he prayed to receive jesus as his personal savior right there on that little outside basketball Court as he was sitting on that basketball and I was talking to him. And after we prayed and he asked Jesus into his life, he looked at me, and I still remember this to this day, because it was the most sincere question that I think I had ever been asked. He said, Now, Mark, does this mean all of my problems are now over? You see, that young man was simply expressing what a lot of folks actually somehow think. And when they find that there are problems that you still face as a Christian, many of them bail on the faith. Many of them take off. Many of them toss in the towel. Many of them just quit. Well, you and I know that it certainly is not the testimony of experienced Christians that all of your problems are over, that the moment you accept Christ. I mean, there are those of you who have known Christ as your Savior for a long time, and you have come to understand that from the time you trusted Christ, it did not immediately eliminate all of the problems or all of the troubles that you face in your life. Nowhere in the Bible are you going to find that to be the case. In fact, the Bible says in Job 14, it says, Man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. Can I just tell you, so we can settle it from the beginning tonight, life as a believer is no bed of roses. It's not. In fact, I've been asked several times, in fact, numbers of times over the last several years, as we walked through a trial in our life in 2018 and 2019, that literally changed the the course of what we were doing at the time. And I've had people say to me, Mark, didn't, how can that happen? As a Christian, you shouldn't be facing that trial. You shouldn't have to walk through that adversity. Well, let me tell you something. The Bible says that, in fact, Jesus himself declared that the Lord makes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. Let's settle it tonight that becoming a Christian Doesn't mean that all of your troubles and all of your trials and all of your difficulties of life are over. However, James does teach us something very interesting here. He tells us what to do when those trials come. He tells us how to handle when those trials are staring us in the face. He tells us how to respond. Now see, the trouble that is happening in many people's lives tonight is that many people go through life simply reacting to whatever happens to them. And that's a serious mistake. They don't act when things take place, they react. And, and there's a lot of people I know, I see them in, in church life. We, we see them in Mooresville. You see them, I'm sure, here in Locust. You see them throughout Stanley County. We see them over in Irondale County. We've seen them in Mecklenburg County. There's a lot of people that are just kind of bobbing up and down like a cork that's floating in the sea. Just being tossed by the waves and blown this way and that way by the winds. But I point all of this out to you because what the Lord has burdened my heart with tonight, and I don't know who it is or what you may be facing, but I have felt led to bring this message tonight because James really wants to teach you and he wants to teach me how we're to respond when those problems or those trials come into our lives. In fact, in every situation, if you remember as you read the book of James, he's teaching us how to behave and how to respond. Why? Because what we believe at the root really does determine how we behave. See, when you see people that are just behaving and living outside of God's will, no matter what they tell you they believe, you actually see what they believe. Because what we believe does determine how we behave. And tonight, I want you, if you're a note-taker, I want you to jot down a couple of things with me that I want us to accomplish as we walk through this message this evening about problems and trials in a Christian's life. And there are really just two things that I want to zero in on tonight. The first is I want to just touch on the reality of trials and then secondly, we're going to look at the role that trials will play in your life. And I want you to look at them with me quickly. First of all, let's look at the reality of these trials. And you, all you got to do is start there in verse 2. When he says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Circle that word when. I noticed real quickly he didn't use the word if, did he? He didn't say if you fall. No, he used the word when, when you fall into various trials. Why did he use the word when? Because there is no doubt about it, there's a trial that you're going to face. Listen, it's it's not an if situation. It's a when situation. Because trials, sooner or later, are going to come knocking at your door. In fact, if you'll stop and think about it tonight, Now, I didn't mean this is not a message to depress you in any way, but I do want you to stop and think about it tonight, that life is a series of problems. Life, really lived day by day, is a cluster of issues, or I'll even go so far as to say they're a cluster of problems. You say, well, Mark, what do you mean by a cluster of problems? Well, all of us live our lives in several different clusters. How many of you here have a family tonight? Raise your hand. All right. You have a family life. How many of you here have a job? Raise your hand. Or used to have a job? Raise your hand. All right. That's about all of us, sooner or later. But so you've got, that's part of your life. So you've got a family life. You've got a business life. How many of you have any friends? Raise your hand. Now there's a few back there that need to find a friend. No, I'm just kidding. And, uh, if you, if you're looking for a friend, there's some right back there that are looking for some. But no, so you have a social life. So think about that for a minute. You, you've got your family life. You've got your business life. You've got your social life. Each one of those is a cluster. One after another. So life is full of clusters. And I got news for you. In every one of those clusters, There is a series of problems that you end up having to deal with. In fact, there's no doubt I'm talking to somebody tonight that's dealing with a series of problems in those clusters. I mean, there's someone here tonight that you're dealing with a serious problem at home. A serious problem in your family. There's no doubt in a crowd this size that somebody here is dealing with a serious problem at work. A serious issue going on in your workplace. There's no doubt that some of you here tonight have got some relationships that are on the rocks. Your social life is is in serious trouble. Because why? Life is a series of problems. In every cluster, there are relationships. Whether they be at home or whether they be at work. And those relationships are going to lead to trials and tests so as you think about the reality of trouble tonight you need to see the powerful punch of verse 2 Now, I want you to understand something. It's kind of a little bit of a word study, so you need to keep your Bibles open and you need to follow along with me here because I want you to notice and uh, and understand this word trials. In fact, I want you to circle that in verse 2 when he talks about falling into various trials. Because, listen, in James chapter 1, you've got the same Greek word that's used two different ways and it's very important that you understand and see the difference here because in verse 2 it's used one way and then over in verse 13 it's used another way in fact it's translated in my new king james version that i'm using it's translated tempted whereas it's translated in verse 2 as trials there's a but it's the same greek word but has different meanings altogether See, over there in verse 13 that we read together, James is talking about temptations that come from the devil. But here in verse 2, tonight, James is talking about the trials and temptations of life, listen to me, or the tests of life that are allowed by God. Now when you begin to understand this, You will have unlocked with a key something that is critical to you living a successful Christian life. And a fruitful Christian life. And it's important for you to see this. Because I want to make a statement right here that you need to understand. The devil tempts us in order to bring out the worst in us. The Lord allows you and me to be tested in order to bring out the best in us. Make sure you get that distinction. The devil will tempt you. He will tempt me to bring out the worst in us. However, the Lord will test us in order to bring out the best in us. You say, well, how how do you get the difference? Well, folks, there's temptations in life that are sent from the devil to bring out the worst in you. But there are some trials you're going to go through that are permitted by the Lord to bring out the best. And that's what he's talking about in verse 2. He's talking about these trials. He's talking about these troubles. He's talking about these problems of life that are permitted by the Lord. But listen to me. They are sifted through the will of God into your life. There was a statement that Charles Stanley made years ago that I have never forgotten. I was a young preacher. The first time I heard him give this illustration, and I have never gotten over it. And that is that if this is your life, and you're a child of the Lord, you belong to Him, He has wrapped you in His hand and He has you in the palm of His hand and the Bible says that no man nor anything can ever pluck you out. Amen? We believe that. So when you face a trial as a child of the King, when you're going through trouble, when you're facing that struggle, just know that nothing Nothing can come into your life that has not first passed through the filtering fingers of the hand of God. Do you get that? Do you believe that? There's no trial, there's no trouble in your life tonight that has not... Pass through the filtering fingers of the hand of God. In fact, if you look at that word "various" and you circle it, some of the, um, some of the, I think the Old King James uses the word "divers trials," but but it's a word picture drawn for us. In fact, in the original language, that word "various" there means a variety of troubles. It literally means many colors. Of trouble, And trouble has its own rainbow of, of incredible colors. There's the blues of depression and anxiety. There's the black of tragedy and despair and anguish. Trouble has its own colors. And I'm here to tell you, sometimes trouble will paint a variety of problems in your life that you're going to walk through. But notice that word, fall. Boy, that's important. He said, when you fall into various trials. That word, fall, literally means to be surrounded. You know, it's the very same word that is used in Luke chapter 11 and verse 30. As Jesus told the parable... Of the good Samaritan. See when Jesus told about the man. Going down to Jericho. It simply says. He fell among thieves. It's the same word. That is used for fall. Right here. You say Mark what's your point? My point is. Suddenly this man was surrounded. He was ambushed. By thieves. And dear friends let me tell you something. That old problem gang. It will ambush you. It will come on you so quickly when you're not expecting it. And I want you to know that the thieves of trials will surround your life. And before you know it, unexpectedly, unwanted, you will find yourself surrounded by trouble. In fact, I can't help but believe I'm talking to somebody right here tonight. And just when you thought that you had all you could handle on your plate. Boom, boom, boom. Here came three more problems that you're having to deal with. You see, some of you tonight, God's already been bringing to the surface of your mind and heart. Some of these problems and some of these trials that you're facing. Some of you can't hardly concentrate tonight because you're just wondering what in the world you're going to do when you get to work tomorrow. Some of you are having a hard time concentrating tonight because you're just wondering right now how in the world you can deal with the problem of that son or that daughter that grandchild your burden for I I got news for you not to be a Debbie Downer but when you wake up in the morning you may find there's ten more problems that are parked at your doorstep don't don't you see one one reason that, that I know that the Bible is the Word of God is because it speaks so inherently About life as we live it. It's so clear. It's God's word. And he sees life before you see it. And he's given us his guidance. But let me point out one thing about the reality of trials that I don't want you to miss. And it stuns me the most. (laughs) It really is a little hard to swallow. When he says in verse 2, my brethren, count it all joy. By the way, that word all, now this is deep. It means all, it means total, total joy. Now I'm going to be real honest with you tonight. For some time I had some real problems with that statement in the Bible. And in the midst of the storm that my wife and I went through over the last couple of years I struggled with that passage again and again. When I thought about the injustice when I thought about The media. When I thought about the things that they would do to try to destroy a person's character at no limits. When I saw the underbelly of the beast up close and personal. I had a problem with this passage in James. I mean it just didn't make a bit of sense in the world to me. I mean this verse to be honest sounds so Unsensitive or insensitive It seems to me that he's saying you're having a hard time Just get over it Buck it up man Have a party In fact I've heard, heard some charismatic leaders say sometimes You got problems? Well put a candle in a cupcake and have a party Well I couldn't do that so I started looking through the scripture and I, I I wondered well what what does it say in in Peter. So I turned over to 1 Peter chapter 1 and I looked at verse 6 and and here's what Peter told me. He said in this you greatly rejoice though now for a little while if need be you've been grieved by various trials. Well Peter you may greatly rejoice but it certainly Not a temptation for me to rejoice greatly. So maybe Peter's mistaken. Well, what did Jesus have to say about it? Well, surely Jesus spoke on it. And sure enough, I I go over to Matthew chapter 5. And and when I got over to Matthew chapter 5, I found the most amazing thing that Jesus did speak about it. And in Matthew chapter 5, in verse 11 and 12, you know what he told me? Jesus told me, blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So now I'm thinking, well, Harris, you're just an idiot. I mean, Peter said it, James said it, Jesus said it. What am I missing here? Because this is not how life comes down to me, that when I'm going through a trial or I'm going through problems and I'm going through difficulty, that I am to count it all joy. Well, it all comes down to that word in verse 2, the word count. Do I have anybody in here that happens to work at a bank or? No, no bank. There's a banker. Okay. Well, then you understand this probably better than most. Because it's actually from the banking industry that that word comes to us. And it's a word that is taken not only from the banking industry, but let me draw you a word picture of what this word really is saying to us. It's as if you and I are sitting at a table. And we've got we've got a long table here. And as you're sitting at this table, you are evaluating everything that comes your way. Everything that comes into your life. You have over on this side of the table an asset column. And you have over here on this side of the table a liability column. That's what you're facing. And so as you're looking at that, everything that comes on the table, you're evaluating it. You're either putting it in the asset column or you're putting it in the liability column. So here comes this trial. Here comes this trouble in my life. Here comes what I'm dealing with in my family or what I'm dealing with in my work or what I'm dealing with in my social life. Here comes this problem in my life. And when it does... I've got to evaluate it. But it's laid on the table. And you know what I do? When I look at that trouble, my immediate tendency is to do what? Say, dude, that's a liability. This is a bad thing. There's no good that could come out of this. This is a bad situation. This is a problem. This is not an asset. It's a liability. Listen, that's your immediate tendency. That is our human nature. Our humanness tells us when a problem comes, that is a liability. It is a problem. And yet, God's Word is saying to you tonight, When the trouble of life is laid on the table, you and I have to make a conscious decision on the basis of what God teaches in His Word to take that, what seems to be a liability in your life, and trust God enough. To put it in the asset column. That doesn't happen very often. Because churches today are filled with Christians who lack maturity and understanding. And discernment. To be able to make that decision. Notice I said it becomes a conscious decision. On your part. Don't you know that that's exactly what Paul did? That same kind of banking transaction over there in Philippians 3. Remember when he wrote those things that are, are, were gain to me. I counted as lost. As lost. In other words, Paul said, there are some things that come into my life that seem to go in the asset column, but when I really look at them, they, they ought to go in the liability column. And ladies and gentlemen, here's the bottom line we've got to understand. God is doing some things in your life perhaps by allowing these trials, these difficulties to come into your life that though we don't understand it now... Though we don't see the conclusion of the matter. God says before it is over, you will understand. And instead of being in the liability column where you would have naturally put it, the trouble comes into your life and it's going to become an asset in your life. That's bottom line stuff. And I'm just wondering tonight if there's some of you in this place that could take the trouble that's in your life tonight, which seems to be so unpleasant, so difficult, so disturbing to your life right now, and that you can put them in the future dimension and know that God has a purpose in them. Know that God is going to do something with those troubles that will ultimately not be a matter of sadness, but a matter of gladness in your life. And that God is saying, what seems to be gloomy now, praise God, will be glory later. Listen, brothers and sisters, we need to count it all joy when we fall into various trials. And let me just leave you with this tonight. And that is the role that trials will play in your life. And For the sake of time, let me just list them to you, for you. Because as a Christian tonight, you know by experience that that what's being said here about the troubles that come into your life is absolutely true. And the reason a believer in Jesus can respond differently to his troubles is because a believer knows some things about trouble that an unbeliever can't know. An unbeliever can't do the kind of accounting that you and I do. Because as a believer, we understand there's a different economy at work. You and I understand that we're under God's economy. And right here in verse 3 and 4, James gives us three things real quickly that are the roles trials will play in our life. Number one is this, God will allow trials in your life to test your faith. Tonight, He's testing some of your faith. The word actually used here for is the word furnace. And in those days in verse 3, listen, they would take the metals of fire and and they would put fire to them in the furnace in order to what? Prove whether or not they were genuine. And so when a coin is tested, they put it in the fire. And when it comes out, you know if it's a real genuine coin. And that's what God's Word is saying to us here. That trial, that trouble that you're facing, or going to face this week, I want you to understand that it is the furnace that God is going to use to prove the genuineness of your faith. To see if your faith is actually real. When we were walking through our deepest trial, God took me to the life of Joseph over and over and over again. I would try to find somewhere else in scripture to find understanding and discernment for what we were walking through. And more than, more than every other time it seemed, God would take me back to the life of Joseph. You see, Joseph went through the furnace in order to prove that his faith was real. He went through the furnace in order to prove that it was genuine. Oh, my friend, that's exactly what the trials can do in your life even tonight. See, I don't know about you, but it's not real difficult for me to live the Christian life on Sunday morning. I mean, I'm a, I'm a pretty good old boy at nine o'clock on Sunday morning. When we got all dressed up and we come out here and we, we sing the songs and we hang out together with other Christians. Other Christians are smiling at you. Other Christians are shaking your hand. Other Christians are, uh, just singing and such incredible uplifting music. That's not when the test comes. The test of your faith comes when you're out in a different atmosphere and when things aren't working out that's when you really begin to see the genuineness of your faith you see you learn a lot about yourself in the midst of the trial you learn a whole lot about yourself that you can't Learn evidently any other way. You see, you discover your faith was not as strong as you thought it was. Trials have a way of putting your faith to the test for your benefit. One of the privileges that I've had at Family Research Council is the honor of working alongside Pastor Andrew Brunson. Andrew Brunson was the missionary over in Turkey, North Carolina, out of Asheville. And he was there in Turkey where he had worked for years, he and his wife. He was arrested and he was held in a Turkish prison. Put in solitary confinement from months on end. I'll never forget when Andrew Brunson shared with me what it was like when he'll tell you, if he were here tonight, that he was broken. He was a broken man. And he had felt like if he was ever persecuted, if he ever faced persecution, that he would be able to hold up. And he quickly said that he didn't. He couldn't, he couldn't see visitors. He couldn't visit with his wife or any of his family without just weeping bitterly over and over. He just couldn't. I'll never forget when he said that one day his mom came to see him. And his mom looked at him and said, Andrew, hundreds of Christians have come before you. And hundreds will come after you. Son, this is your time. Stand up. And be God's man. I told Andrew, I said, dude, I don't want to meet you. I want to meet your mama. Because I thought, what a mom. What a mother who truly understood What faith in Christ is all about. Which, by the way, Andrew Brunson's done an entire video series that we have at Family Research Council. Because his whole ministry right now is that he said America is not ready. The American church is not ready for the persecution that is coming quicker than you ever imagined. And his whole ministry now is preparing the church... For how to respond. As that persecution comes. Because he said you're not ready. He knows that having come back home. And seen it himself. But the courage of a mom that could say that to her son. That understood the faith. You know it, 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 it's, it's just like. When you think about those three Hebrew boys cast into the fiery furnace they wouldn't bow they wouldn't bend and they wouldn't burn I mean anybody who was willing to be thrown into the fiery furnace for their faith in the Lord son they had it going on but the beauty of that story is that the Bible says the fire didn't burn them. In fact, it said not, not even a hair on them was singed. They didn't even smell like smoke, Brother Stoney, when they came out. See, in the world, the, the fire in the furnace, all it did was burn off the ropes that bound them. And that's why you can be assured tonight that the trial you're going through or are going to go through It's a test for your benefit. It's going to just burn off the ropes. It's going to burn off the dross. It's going to burn off the things that need to be burned off. Because I'll tell you something else. A trial is either going to make you bitter or it's going to make you better. It's either going to sweeten you or it's going to sour you. And tonight you've got to make that decision. I did the first sit-down interview that I've done in four years, just about two weeks ago, with Tim Boyum, Spectrum News. We did a podcast interview. And he said, "So, how are you doing?" I said, well, you know, Tim, all my life I preached that the faith in Christ in the midst of the storm, it's either going to make you bitter or it's going to make you better. And God's allowed me to make a conscious decision that I'm putting it in the asset column. And it's going to make me better. I can't preach what I don't choose to live. And what I'm telling you tonight is I don't know what disappointment you faced. I don't know what hurt you're struggling with. I don't know how just or unjust your situation has been. But I do know this. There is a God in heaven... Who wants to teach you patience? He wants to teach you patience. And he wants to transform you into a complete Christian. The completed man. The perfected man. Can I explain? why there's some things and some lessons you and I can't learn without having to go through the fire? No, I can't. But that's because I'm not God. He is. And He knows what lessons you can learn straight up. And He knows what lessons you'll only learn By going through the trial. The question is tonight are you allowing the adversary to rob you of the real joy and real peace and real hope that Christ will bring to your life because you've allowed yourself to become bitter and angry? Even at God, because of a trial you're walking through. Would you bow your head right where you are, please? Heads bowed, eyes closed, all over the sanctuary. I just want to ask you to stop for just a moment right where we are tonight. quietness of this moment as the instruments begin to play I want you just right there in your own prayer closet I I want you for right now in these next moments to just be as if there's not another soul in this room except you and God he's bringing some things up to the surface tonight There's some problems that you're facing, that you have faced. There's a trial, there's there's no way that I could know what each and every one of you is walking through. But yet God brought me here tonight, on a March Monday evening, to share with you James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. Can I tell you, if you'll allow the Lord right now to those things that he's bringing up to the surface of your mind and your heart. Would you just, in your own mind and heart right now, place them on the table. An imaginary table right in front of you. Knowing that on one side of that table, that problem's an asset. On the other side of that table, that's where you put the liability. and Some of you are caught and can't be set free from that trial or that trouble. Because you've misplaced it and you keep looking at it as a liability. And tonight God's asking you to make the conscious decision. By the power of His Spirit and on the authority of His Word. To put that issue in the asset column. Now with heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around. Because it's nobody else's business. I want to invite you right now. If you were to say to me, nobody's looking around. I'm the only one looking. But if you were to say to me right now, Brother Mark... I've I've faced an issue like that. And what you just described is exactly where I am. And tonight, Brother Mark, I want to move that issue to the asset column. I want to make a conscious decision tonight to trust God and to move it to the asset column. Would you just... Nobody's looking around because it's nobody else's business. But if you would say that to me tonight, Pastor... I've got a situation, exactly what you're talking about, and I want to make that conscious decision tonight. Would you just slip your hand up right where you are? Because I want to pray for you. I'm not going to come to you. I see that hand. I see it. Just raise it up and hold it up there one minute. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Any more? Just raise it up high. Pastor, I've 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 got a situation. There's eight. Nine. Anybody else? Ten? Just raise it up high. Okay, you can put your hands down. In just a moment, I want to pray with you. But I want to ask you to take one more step. I wonder if you would be willing just to come and let's just gather here on this altar tonight. Uh, Each as individual, I mean, but just on this altar as a symbolic step of faith saying, Lord, I'm coming to this altar because I'm making this conscious decision. And out of obedience and faith, I just want to kneel on this altar. That's right, just just begin to move. People are starting to come right now. And, and just get on this altar. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed all over the sanctuary because it's nobody else's business. But those that are, are willing, you lifted your hand. Would you just take the next step and just come. You know what it is. Nobody else needs to know. But right now, would you just come and get on this altar. And just say, Lord, this is what I'm dealing with. And and the beauty is, He already knows it. And He knows what you're facing. And and tonight, He's going to meet you right at this point. In fact, He's meeting you at this very moment. Ministering to you. I'm going to invite Brother Tommy to come and, and and to be here at the front. If any of you want your pastor to pray with you, he's going to be right here. You can share with him. But I just want to pray for you on this altar. And I want to say to all of you that are here and others of you that are still considering coming, it's not too late, just come on and get on this altar. Surrender it to the Lord right now, please. Just come. But but the most important commitment you ever make is to trust Christ as your Savior. And if He's not your Savior, you haven't repented of your sin, you haven't placed your faith in Jesus, you haven't surrendered to Him as Lord, if you haven't done those things, then listen to me. This This is going to be a futile exercise. But if He's your Savior, and He's your Master, He's your Lord, His Word is instructing you right now. To count it all joy. And that's what you're choosing to do. Father in heaven. I pray for every man and every woman. That is on this altar. Bowed in humble submission to you. Surrendered. To say Lord. I can't do this on my own. In fact. The more I've tried to do it the less effective it's been. And tonight, Father, you have revealed to me I've been looking at this as a liability because I haven't totally trusted you to teach me in this storm, to teach me in this trial, to teach me in this trouble a dependence and trust in you that I could not learn any other way. Thank You, Lord Jesus, for loving me enough to not leave me out here without this lesson in my life. Thank You, Lord, for loving me enough to grow me as a follower and a believer. Thank You, Lord, for caring for me enough to make me a more effective instrument in Your hand Thank you, Jesus. And so, right now, to the best of my understanding, Lord, I take this situation and I simply place it in the asset column. And from tonight going forward, I will, I do, count this trial. A joy. I can't say I understand it all. But I understand this much. I can trust you. You know an old song that was sung years ago. I think think it was Babby Mason that recorded it. When you can't. see the plan when you just don't understand when you can't see his hand trust his heart is that where you and I will choose to live tonight we don't understand we don't see the plan and we can't even trace his hand But we'll make a conscious decision tonight, Lord, led by your Spirit, to trust your heart as you guide us through. I pray for every single one of these dear children of yours. And I lift this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. But all of you stand to your feet. We're going to sing together. I've decided to follow Jesus. The pastor is here at the front. Maybe God's still dealing with you. You have unfinished business tonight with the Lord. Why don't you come? Pastor's here. Whatever God may lay on your heart, we invite you to come. And just be with Him.
3: what a powerful word right man if that didn't hit us right between the eyes i I think we might have been sleeping through that one powerful word brother god bless you thank you for being transparent and bold with us tonight too i appreciate that so much uh thank you again to the choir from prospect for being here monica thank you oh she's over here thank you monica I appreciate that. Pastor Stoney, so good to have you here and have your church family here with us as well. Uh, I hope that you'll be back with us next Monday evening. Uh, Reverend Anthony Clemens, pastor at Mount Olive Baptist Church in Bolivia, North Carolina, will be with us. Anthony's been a good friend of mine now for well over 30 years and uh, have grown to love Anthony, a, a great preacher humble man of God, uh, and I know that you'll be blessed by being here next Monday evening, 7 o'clock. And so, uh, Brother Stone, if you ain't got anything else to do, come on back, man, okay? Uh, good to see you tonight. Thank you for being here. Brother Mark, I'm going to go to the back and greet people as they leave. I want to invite you to, to go with me, and uh, Monica, again, thank you so much. Let's Let's pray together, and we'll be dismissed. Our Father and our God, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here tonight. And Lord, we know that every one of us is here by divine appointment. None of us is here by accident or coincidence. And Lord, the word that you have delivered tonight to us through your messenger, we know it was intended for us that, Lord, you, you had us in mind when you placed it upon his heart and burned it upon his soul. So, Lord, we thank you for what you have given to us tonight. Now, Lord, we are accountable for it. We are now to be good stewards of your word by living the truth that you have revealed to us. So, Lord, give us the courage and the faith to do just that. And, Lord, we pray that you will dismiss us tonight with your your love, that you'll keep each one safe as they travel their respective ways. and. Thank you again, Lord, for this precious choir and for this precious church, a prospect that shared with us tonight. And Lord, we just pray that you would bless them. Be with us as we go our separate ways. And Lord, our, our greatest prayers that through the remainder of this week, you'll help us to be your light in a very dark world. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.